if you would go ahead and turn to Joshua 24 today, I do have a fresh word for you, and I do have something I feel like the Lord has laid on my heart concerning this new year. And I want you to know this morning that God has given you spiritual ground to take in 2024. God has set before you a a promise. He has set before you a plan. He has set before you his presence in 2024. But I want you to know that if it's going to be, it's up to me. Amen? We fail to understand the power that we have and the authority that we have in Christ Jesus that you don't just have to take the same old stuff that the enemy's been doing in your family and doing perhaps in your life or even doing in our community where we just kind of roll over and say, well, if 2023 wasn't good, I guess 2024 isn't going to be much better. Can I tell you this morning, you serve a God that wants you to take some spiritual land in 2024 that he has promised you. And that's what we're going to talk about this morning. The fact in the Old Testament where the Israelites were people who crossed over into new land, new territory, the promised land, so to speak. And at the beginning of a new year, and I want to say this, God does not operate on a calendar as much as he operates in seasons. The, the, the turning over of the page of the calendar on January 31st, 2023, and we step then into 2024, as humans, as especially as Americans, we're very punctual people, we're very planning for our new year and all those kind of things. But I do know, know enough about life to know this, that there are going to be some things happen in 24 that you didn't plan for. Amen. There's going to be some things happen in 24 that you didn't see coming. That's just kind of life. But I want you to go ahead and know that If we do not transition from where we are, whether it be as a church, whether it be as a family, whether it be as an individual, if we do not transition from the season that maybe you're in now and God begins to take you into a new season, what happened to the people of Israel in the Old Testament is we see them come out of Egypt in the the, the line was straight. The path was laid out. It was a straight shot from Egypt to the promised land. But God did not take them the straight way. He took them round about. And what we see, the, the people of Israel, because that was supposed to be a season, and because of unbelief, and because they were scared of going into a new place and into a new land, they, what was supposed to be a season turned into a cycle of wandering around in the desert. But I came to declare to some Holy Ghost faith-filled people at the first Sunday of 2024, and I'm not saying this just to try to get an emotional response from you. I'm telling you, I was led by the Holy Spirit to simply tell some of you, you have been in cycles for years and years and years, and God is ready to push you and motivate you and bring you into a promised land where your season isn't the same. It's going to be a season where you see victory in your life. That is what the Holy Spirit wants to say to the people of God right here at the beginning of 2024. Everybody say promised land. land. Everybody say ahead. ahead. You see, you have to refocus sometimes of what's in front of you, not what's behind you. And you might say to yourself, well, I've been here before. This year is going to be the same as the last Two years, three years, barely hanging on, barely getting by, barely scraping. Listen to me. We serve a God of victory and we serve a God of abundance and we serve a God that is more than. That does not mean that you won't run into obstacles. That doesn't mean that there's not giants living in your promised land. 
And this morning, I want to encourage your heart that God is already in your future. And if you're looking for a, a, just a very pat answer this morning, I can't give you that because you are the answer to your future. Amen. Did you hear me this morning? Yes. You are the key to your future because you're someone who's filled with the Holy Spirit that can hear His voice and declare His word in faith. Amen. And church, I don't, want it, I don't desire even one iota to, to, to dwell, even though 2023 was a year of growth was a year of, of seeing God move in our church. I don't want to del- dwell in 23. I want to move into 24. Amen. And I want to move into what God has for me. So today, this passage that I felt led to share with you, heading into this new year, is we're going to look at Joshua and the exhortation that Joshua gave to the people of Israel after they had won the battle, after they had seen the victories, after, you see, when Moses led the people of Israel, really Moses was the type of leader that was just trying to get them to survive. Everybody say survive. survive. So Moses was a leader who really, his task and goal is he led the people in the wilderness up for 40 years, and now they're at the precipice of crossing over into what God had promised. And Moses' leadership was simply, okay, guys, we just have to survive until we see what God is going to do for the people of God. Joshua, and here in Joshua, where we're going to look at in just a minute, is recounting all the battles that they had as they went into the promised land. And how many know and understand, God can have a promise out ahead of you. You can fight and battle for that promise, but keeping the victory is a whole nother ball of wax. Keeping the victory, the keeping the promise, keeping the victory that God has is really where I want to talk about today. You see, it wasn't about survival. Now in Joshua, it was about victory and taking the land. And now as we open up the scriptures today, things are shifting again because God's going, the people of God are going from survival into crossing over. Everybody say crossing over. Crossing. It was a crossing over into a season of victory. And the season some of you may be facing in 2024 from the get-go isn't that I need victory. It's you have earned and you have fought for. And you. How many understand that you're living in a war zone? Okay? If you came here visiting today, let me tell you how I think and believe that we are looking for peace in a time of spiritual warfare. We are looking for a place of... of, And listen, the peace is internal. Amen? Amen? I have peace this morning, even though there's issues and things in my life that I'm concerned about and I'm worried about and I don't know how they're going to go. But I do know this, that God has victory for his people. Yes. And it's a, it really is a vision of victory that I want to try to lay out for you today. You see, there's seasons where we learn how to fight. There's seasons where we learn how to warfare. We, know, we learn how to apply the blood of Jesus. We learn how to apply the word of God to situations in our families and in our workplaces and your businesses in our church and all those different areas. And here's what I want you to know from the very get-go today. The beautiful thing about Christianity is this. Jesus fought our battles for us to give us every spiritual blessing. Jesus has already won the victory, so when you're in Christ, guess what that makes you this morning? No matter the circumstance, you are victorious in Christ. God has already promised you the land. God has already promised the people of God, this is yours. I want to give it to you. 
But we as Christians sometimes get right up to the border, right up to the precipice, much like the people of Israel did. Because see where Jacob is, at this place in the scripture that we're going to read, he has only one of two people, 45 years after God gave the promise that I want to give you this land, I want to move you into the new place, I want to move you ahead into your future. 45 years later, there's only two people that are alive that went into the promised land and saw it in its entirety. We know the story, 12 spies, only two came back with a good report, Joshua and Caleb. I just want to say this as a side note this morning. If you're heading into 24 and you still got, give, got have people in your ear giving you a bad report for the year ahead, listen, you may want to switch up and get some new friends, get some new... If your church is, is doom and gloom this morning, I want to tell you, there are definitely problems, darkness, and prob, troubles ahead for our country, for our area, for everything else. But I came to tell some folk this morning that we serve a God that's got our back, that is already working on this situation and circumstances. We do not live by the world's economy, church. We live by a sovereign God who takes good care of his children. So they're wandering in the wilderness. There's two people, Joshua and Caleb, who said the report of the Lord that this can be done. Don't look at what you can see this morning. Look at what you can't see. Don't focus on the issue or the problem this morning. Focus on the one who can fix the issue and problem. You see, the land had already been given by God. They just had to do two things. They had to believe and they had to battle. And if you're talking about, okay, who am I battling? I tell you who I battle when it comes to the promises of God. Me. Yes. Right here between these old ears. Well, God, this certainly couldn't happen. God, that's, that's too impossible. God, there's nothing impossible with God. There's nothing impossible for those who believe. But I want to make this point this morning because... We'll read these scriptures. The enemy doesn't stand a chance against a Christian that is determined to walk in victory. How many has God given promises for 2024? I hope everybody in here can say that. Whether it be a family member, whether it be... In other words, spiritually speaking, in the Old Testament, in the scriptures we're reading this morning, God had made a promise. God had given them land. God had given them this place where it was flowing with milk and honey. It was a place where they could settle down. I was on a trip back home to Louisiana where my wife's from, and uh, we had, we're having a good time. My son mentioned to me before we left, he said, Dad, you know, I've never been duck hunting. I would really like to go. So we arranged a duck hunting trip, and, and it, was a, it was a trip. I'll just say that. It was a trip. <laughs> we had a great time, but I was in the boat there, and we, were, we had put the decoys out, and we'd gone up into the duck blind, and I'm just chatting with this young man, 21-year-old named Charlie, who was our guide. He had grown up down there in Venice, Louisiana, in that whole area. And we had gone up, we had crossed the Mississippi River out of Venice Marina, and we'd gone up into a couple little rivers. And as we made a turn back into another little river, into some grassland, we came up into another area that was basically like a small pond right there off of the Mississippi River. And as we're sitting there chatting and talking and just talking about how he grew up, and he, he kind of, I wasn't asking, he just kind of laughingly said, he said, yeah, actually this land that we're on, I own. My, my family owns this land. I said, oh, wow. I said, you know, how much land do you own here? He said, oh, we own, you know, so much back behind us, all you see in front of us. So everything around us, his family owned. The thing, the funny thing, thing I found funny is he mentioned that he didn't know it as a teenager growing up. They used to go up in there thinking it was somebody else's property. 
And the whole time they were there, they were scared and fretful and fearful that somebody was going to come and run them off of land. And, and he was talking to his grandfather one day, and they were talking about something. And he said, yeah, my grandfather, we were just chatting and talking. He said, well, he said, now you know we own land down there on the river. And he said, what? We own, well, where? In the, the area that he got a map out, and he said, oh, we own all this. And Church, I wonder how we, spiritually speaking, are exactly like that. Yeah. Where God has already given us the land. God has already given us the healing. God has already given us the victory. God has already answered the, the, the problem that is already forming out ahead of you. And we're fearful and we're ready. We're thinking the enemy is going to come and run us off of our promise. Can I tell you this morning? He doesn't have the power to run you off of a promise that is made by a faithful God in heaven. But what we do is we're like the Israelites and we say, hey, the giants are too big. It's too big of an area of land. Jericho is too fortified. Ai, they have been with spears and swords and shields. Can I tell you, it's Christian Center Church 2023 heading into 2024. This old boy is stirred up to see some fresh victory, to see some fresh miracles, to see God working in a fresh way in our lives. So right here at the door of 2024, you know I had to rhyme something this morning. Come on, somebody. (laughs) How you begin this year is the foundation of how you will live the rest of the year. Because some of you have gone into 2020 and then in defeat, and then you went into 2021 and more defeat, and 2022 and more defeat. Can I tell you, some of you think that the enemy knows what your future is. The devil doesn't know your future. No, no. But God does. And you say, how can I know my future? Get your Bible out in 2024 and read it, absorb it, get the promises of God and stand on them in faith. So today I want to lay this foundation in Joshua 24. And we're going to look at verses 2, 4, 14, and 15. Joshua 24, look at verse 2 with me this morning. And here's the reading of God's Word. And Joshua said to all the people, Thus says the Lord God of Israel, Your fathers, including Terah, the father of Abraham and the father of Nahor, dwelt on the other side of the river in old times, and they served other gods. Everybody say this with me. On the other side of the river, they served other gods. Now look down here at verse 3 this morning. Then I took your father Abraham from the other side of the river, led him throughout all the lane of Canaan, and multiplied his descendants and gave him Isaac. Now let's stop there and look back this way. Two times in these scriptures, verses 2 and verses 4, he refers to the crossing over of a river. Because Terah, the father of Abraham, in my opinion, biblically, was called by God to leave the gods he was serving and to cross over into a new place that God was leading him. And what he evidently did was choose to serve the gods on this side of the river instead of going over onto the other side. And the first time that the term Hebrews is used is in Genesis 12. And it literally means, if you're wondering what Hebrew means, it means one who crosses over. So Joshua right here is trying to remind the people of their identity. Everybody say identity. identity. He just 
trying to let them know and let them see from the very beginning that, listen, you are not people who stay on that side of the river serving false gods. You are people who are from people who have crossed over, have left things behind, and crossed over to the other side. He's saying to them, don't you forget that you are those who have crossed over. So the first place that we stop today that I want to point out to you is we need to remember who we are and we need to remember whose we are this morning. We need to remember that we serve a God who is for us and not against us. We need to remember that we serve a God that is already out into your future. He's ready, He's willing and able, but you have to leave some things behind to cross over into what is ahead. He's saying to them, we serve Yahweh on this side of the river. Can I declare to you in Christian Center Church, we don't serve the gods of this age. We serve Yahweh. We serve the God of heaven and earth. Rivers in the Bible in a general sense, they literally mean points of decision or a point of, of leaving something behind and crossing over into something new. Listen. Your identity is not tied up in who you used to be. Your identity is in who God said you are. Look at verses 14 this morning, and we'll look at verses 14 and 15 here in Joshua. I want to remind you, you're not that person anymore. You're not the same person you were in 2023. You say, oh, just by believing that, Pastor, is something going to change in my life? Yes. Yes. As your faith is, be it unto you. Look at verse 14. Now therefore, fear the Lord, serve Him in sincerity and in truth, and put away the gods which your father served on the other side of the river. Now, look back this way. He's adding something else here. He says, not just the gods on the other side of the river. He's pointing out that there's actually two places where they served other gods. He said, don't serve the gods on the other side of the river, and don't serve the gods back in Egypt. So you've got the gods on the other side of the river. You've got the gods down in Egypt. And listen, they are constantly crying out for the people of God to be identified with the gods on this side of the river. You see, what we fail to understand and realize is we think the place of blessing, we think the place of promise, we think the place of the land that God is going to give us is going to be free from any warfare, it's going to be free from any problems, it's going to be free from any kind of anything coming against us. But he is pointing out here, not only do you need to leave behind the gods in Egypt, you need to confront and understand that when you walk into the place of victory, when you walk into the place of my promise, when you walk into the place that I have prepared for you ahead of time, there's still going to be some gods that are going to try to pull you back in. It wasn't the gods in Egypt that they had to face at this point. It was what was on the other side of the river. So they have made conquests. They have conquered. They have defeated all these different cities. And Joshua pulls the people together as the people of God, those who serve the one true living God. And it's a reminder that, hey, because your forefathers were drawn back into other gods, I want to remind the people of God today here, just as Joshua did all those years ago, of what he said that, For simply this, as for me and my house, I'll serve the Lord. In other words, he's calling them to a place of decision because do not not diminish the power of making a firm decision about what is ahead of you. Do not miss the power of just saying a yes to God. Yes, God, I want what's for me. I want what's out ahead of me. And he's not done yet. Look in verse 15. He says, and if it seems evil to you to serve the Lord, 
Choose for yourselves this day whom you will serve, whether the gods which your father served that were on the other side of the river or the gods of the Amorites. Everybody look back this way. The god of the Amorites were the gods of the people on the side of the river that they had just crossed. The gods on this side of the river, the gods of the people they had conquered, the gods of the people that had been worshiping there, what it begins to tell me is that we are in enemy territory. God has a promised land. God has a place for you to make a decision that I'm not going to live back here on this side of the river anymore. I'm going ahead into what God has for me in my future. But let me just give you some spiritual advice and something to prepare yourself for. There's still going to be temptations. There's still going to be battles. There's still going to be difficulties. Because notice this, what he said. Choose this day. He didn't say feel this day, hope this day. Maybe this day, he said, look, you've got to make a decision. You have to make a choice. Because everybody in this room is the sum total of all the decisions you have made up until this point. The person that you decided to begin dating, the, the, the school that you went off to, the place where you settled to work, the place where you are living, all those different things, are you are the sum total of the decisions that you have made in the past. Now, if you can accept that and not reject that, that is actually the first step of having a successfully spiritual battle-winning 2024 is some of of you just need to have the simple revelation that you've been blaming everybody else for all your problems. You've been blaming everybody else for the issue when really what you need to do is take a good look inside... And say, I am here because of the decisions that I have made. God is big on personal responsibility, church. God is. Our society's not. Oh, come on. Oh, honey, nothing's ever your fault. You were just dealt a, a, a bad hand. Man, don't ever say that around me. Because you're looking at somebody that was dealt a bad hand growing up. But can I tell you, you don't let that define you. Because if we're believers, then we believe God can and will change anything in our lives according to His glory and His timetable and what He wants out ahead of us in our future. One of the main things and most important things, what He was telling them was drawing them back to attention of, look, you left the gods in Egypt. Your, your forefathers would not ever come into the promise I have for them. So a seed, what was supposed to be a short season of God leading them through the wilderness turned into 40 years. I don't want to take 40 years to get to my promise, church. I want God to lead me where He chooses. Because you can do something about it. That, that's the main point of my entire sermon today. Is you, with God... And his conviction in your heart, his voice in your spirit can do something about what is going on in your life presently today because you can make a choice that I'm not going to stay over on this side. I'm going to cross over. Everybody say cross over. He says, in whose land you dwell, but as for me and my house, we will serve the Lord. When it comes down to it, you can't make my choice. I can't make your choice this morning. But I can declare to you that as for me and my house, we're going to serve God. Here are three things today, three assumptions that I think Joshua made when speaking and gathering the people of God together, just like we're gathered here on the first Sunday of 2024. 
me encouraging you with all of my heart. I've been praying the last couple of weeks, God, where's, where are we going in 2024? And I'll, I'll, be, I'll be really straight up with you, straight up with you. If you are a spiritual person and don't sense that there's something just not right, okay? You say, what do you mean by that? There's, there's things coming down the road that this pastor wants to prepare you for, okay? I don't know what they are. Going, in, I would look back at 2020, and I thought, Lord, was I missing you at the beginning of 2020? Because none of us saw a pandemic coming down the pike. I didn't. I went back and read what I preached the first couple months of 2020. I thought, no, Lord, I was preparing the people that something, something. But as I prayed about my sermon today, I thought, Lord, am I going to get up and just get? And the Lord said, I'm still their God. They're still my people. And your God has his hand on you. He's got his hand on your kids. He's got his hand on your grandkids. But sometimes we have to be reminded, like Joshua did, of number one, all of us are going to serve something or somebody. You were created to worship. You were created to serve. You were created to fill your life with something. And the fact is, as the, as the person said, we all have a hole in our life and in our heart. And if you're not filling it with God and the Word and prayer and praise and worship, your life is going to be filled with something. Amen. It's an in, inescapable fact. We were created to worship and to serve. Now we know we were, cre- we were created to worship and serve God. The book of Ecclesiastes was written by King Solomon, and he was the most famous king. I think he had over 6,000 wives. Can you imagine Valentine's Day for, for Solomon? I just can't even, I can't keep up with one, y'all, so God bless Solomon. But if you read the book of Ecclesiastes, it can seem like a real just, man, this is a heavy book. Because at the end, he's like, it's all vapor. It doesn't. What he is pointing out through the entire book, because if to understand Ecclesiastes, you have to read the very first verses, verse 1 and 2, which lays out what he's talking about in the rest of the book, which is a life apart from God. He is describing what a life, because he had filled his life with riches, he had filled his life with wives, he had filled his life with the authority of the king and all these different things. And we know that Solomon went off track because a lot of things that God told him not to do, he did it anyway. And he gets to the end and he says, you know what, all those things that I spent my life serving and all those things that I thought would fulfill my life, I got down to the end of it and realized it was only obeying God, serving God, being with the people of God, and seeing people saved in my life was really the only thing that mattered. We're all going to serve something or somebody. So when I get to a place in my life, especially at the beginning of a year, I ask myself these questions regularly, but it is almost like a little gauge or a little little something to to look at my life and, and ask some questions of, what am I really serving? Here's question number one that I ask. First I ask, what do I get most passionate about? Because that's a good clue about what you are worshiping. And that's an easy judgment about myself when I ask a simple question. What is it, Jason, that I am most passionate about? All I have to do is look at my Facebook. All I have to do is look at my family. All I have to do is look at my time. When you sit down with somebody, it's, it's, it's not hard to figure out what they're passionate about, whether it be sports or whether it be 
some other area of their life because what do we do? We talk about our passions, don't we? But, man, don't you love to sit with some people that are passionate about Jesus? Yes. Just, just yesterday evening I was sitting with a group of people that I'm just like, man, I'm glad that I get to do life with these people because I don't leave feeling like I, I can't go on and I got thrown up on. I feel I, let, I leave feeling like, man, we, we got some work to do in the kingdom. Amen? And God is with us, not against us. So I just ask myself a simple question. When it comes to who I'm serving, I simply ask myself, what am I most passionate about? Let me ask you this, and this is, this is heavy. Have you prostituted your passion? Have you prostituted your passion? Your passion is to be for Jesus. Your passion is to be for the things of God. But we give our passion to other things. We give our passion to the new car, the new boat, or the new house, or the new job, or, or we give our passion over here into this area that really, there's nothing wrong with those things in and of themselves, but when Joshua is calling the people of God back to attention, I think he's digging in and say, do not lose your passion for God. If it didn't matter, then Jesus would not have said to the church of Laodicea, be zealous and repent, you have left your first love. He didn't say everything's okay and it's going to be all right. He told them and he corrected them and said, listen, if I am not first place in your life, then I'm not any place in your life. What are you passionate about? Joshua makes some more assertions here. He says, you're worshiping and serving something, and if it's not God, you have become, and this is a heavy word, but listen to me, then you've become an idolater. If you want to identify your idols in your life, just ask yourself what you're passionate about. And, and what that does for me is it recalibrates me. Lord, am I putting anything above you? Am I putting anything above you? Lord, have I let anything else have first place in my life? Then I ask another question. What am I sacrificing for? Everybody say sacrifice. sacrifice. Because most Christians will sacrifice dearly to get their kid a new baseball bat or a new cheerleading uniform or a new... It's going to be heavy for a minute, okay? You guys ready? Yeah. I, I myself have sacrificed for things to do for my kids. You hear me? Yeah. But when the pastor gets up and says, hey, we need to support missions and build something, okay? That's the last thing on our mind. When, when, when there's something else that is, is a need and God's putting his finger on, hey, you can help with this or you can bless this person, a lot of times we are selfish. So there's a sacrifice. This isn't too real for you, is it? No. You do understand that the, God has called us to sacrifice, right? You do understand that God has, has called us to lay down idols, right? Okay, I'm in the right place this morning. So I just say, where's my passion? And then I say, where's my sacrifice? There are things that I operate in my life that you have no idea of a handful of people in this room do. But they've asked me a question before. They're like, well, why do you do this? And I said, because I don't have to. See, the danger in being a pastor is prayer meetings and Bible study and reading the Word and all those. It comes along with the job. But like David said, God forbid that I would offer to God that which costs me nothing. So if you are visiting here today, you say, I've never heard anybody preach like this. You mean God is asking me to maybe sacrifice something, lay something up on the altar? Listen, yes. Uh Your time, your talent, your treasure, 
If you really belong to Him, it all belongs to Him anyway. Yes. But we grab hold of things. I like what Corey Tenboom said. I try to live my life this way. She says, I've learned how to hold on to things very loosely so God doesn't have to just pry them out of my hand. Anybody else? Because He will. You have a jealous God this morning. And here in Joshua, He's reminding the people of God very distinctly and clearly that if you're not careful... This passion that you feel because I brought you into the promised land, I've defeated all of your enemies, I've supernaturally blessed you, I've brought you into, you were wandering in the wilderness, and now you're standing in the middle of a land flowing with milk and honey. They, they, they were given vineyards that they didn't do. you ever been blessed just because God's so good that He just leads you into a place where you're like, man, I didn't even have anything to do with that. He's telling them, I brought you into this place, but be careful. Because those gods in Egypt that they left behind, I have no doubt in my mind out of millions of people that came out of Egypt and were wandering through the, through the, through the wilderness. I, it doesn't say it distinctly in the Bible, but I just know human nature. There was probably a lot of people that turned around and went back to Egypt. Yeah. Yeah. And now that they're in the promised land... Haven't you ever found that it's when you're in your promised land and you get a respite from the battles and you get to celebrating, God, look at what you did. I don't know about you, but it's easy to forget God in those times. Yes. And that's what Joshua was reminding. That's what your pastor is reminding you through Joshua is in, at the end of 2023, no matter what kind of year you had, ahead of you are, is a promised land of victory and blessing. As a matter of fact, I thought about just titling my sermon series for January, Tis the Season for Casting Out Demons, y'all. Because there are enemies that you have been tangling with for a long time, and God says, enough is enough. Stand in the place that I have for you, and come against those enemies that are coming against you, because 2024 is going to be a year of victory and blessing. Just don't forget who provided it. Make Him first. Be careful of any idols in your life. So where's your passion? What am I sacrificing for? And ultimately, I'll ask myself, what do I talk about all the time? (laughs) Amen? Amen. Listen, you evangelize what you love and believe in. You evangelize what you love and believe in. So if you ask yourself, where's my passion? Where's my sacrifice? And what do I talk about all the time? We've all been around people that, you know, not, you know, I'm just thinking of some essential oils, right? Leah had 86 essential oils on my kitchen. And they're not, you do oils, good for you. But I'm like, I'm bleeding from my finger. I don't think an oil. But you get around somebody that believes in oil, you know, and I'm just giving you a little example of they're passionate about it. Are you passionate about Jesus and telling people about Him in 2024? Because your, your, your language will say what your passion is. It's amazing what we are passionate for, we will sacrifice for, and what we will talk about all the time. Are you following me this morning? You have to answer that question. Because we will each stand before God and give an account. And so will you, and so will I. You won't give an account to me. You won't give an account to a church. You'll give an account to the Lord Jesus Christ. So the first assertion Joshua makes is this. Everybody is going to serve something. My question to you this morning and myself. 
What are, who are you serving? Are you serving the God of money? Listen, money is not the root of all evil. The love of it is. You hear me? Number two, he says, there are many gods you can serve. I tried to mention them when we were reading them, but there are really three types of gods. Little g, remember that? God's little g. And these gods, Joshua is warning them, he's, they're going to try to draw you in. In your passion, in your sacrifice, and in your conversations. Let me just stop there and say to this congregation that if the enemy wants to come in and ruin what God is doing in this house and what he's doing is incredible and awesome, yes. he's going to use backbiting and gossip and slander. Oh, so be on the watch out for your conversations. But he says, the gods on the other side of the river. Joshua says, there are gods on the other side of the river that you used to serve. And I promise you, if you aren't worshiping Jesus, you are getting drawn back to the same old gods. Israel was always in danger of worshiping other gods, even when God had done so many incredible, wonderful things for them. So what's the answer to that? You lock your eyes on Jesus. You fix your heart on Jesus. You lock your checkbook on Jesus. You lock your time on Jesus. You lock your passion on Jesus. You lock your conversation on Him. Because if you're not, those other gods, I promise you, are beginning to reel you back in. Why is that? Because we have this thing called flesh. Everybody say flesh. Flesh. Look, you get a new body when you get to heaven. On the, in the nasty now and now... You got the flesh, the sweet by and by, right? I'm ready for the sweet by and by, but we're in the nasty now and now. And the nasty now and now has something we all deal with called the old flesh. Because I know in my flesh, if I am not drawing near to God, then I'm drifting further away from Him. So I'm just talking about our flock today. Here at the door of 2024, saying don't let the gods on the other side of the river draw you back in. My heart is that I know in 2023 and even 22, but especially 23, a lot of you have proverbially, spiritually speaking, crossed over. You've made that decision. You've made that decision to put God first. You've made that decision to worship Him and Him alone. You've made that decision to watch your conversation. You've made that decision to give of God your time. And and you've made all those decisions. But can I tell you, we all drift sometimes. We all drift says the gods of Egypt. Everybody say the gods of Egypt. Egypt. You know, I thought about that and simply put, he mentions the God on this side of the river and he talks about the gods in the past, the gods of Egypt. And simply what that means is those were the gods of bondage. They were in bondage. Egypt represents bondage. And you, you may say, why would anybody ever want to go back there? Great question. These were the gods of their taskmaster. And think about this. If you were a slave and wanted the absolute best life possible, what are you going to do? You're going to get real friendly with those taskmasters, aren't you? I I mean, think of it as human nature. I want them to be nice to me, so I'm going to be really nice to them. I want them to maybe give me a little bit of extra food for my family, so I'm just going to get real cozy with all them. 
The bondage is this, always trying to measure up to someone else's opinion. Come on, somebody. Always trying to measure up what culture around us says we should fit in or do. And that is the siren song, so to speak, of, of what we have to battle in 2024 is we are not to serve culture, we are to serve God. Amen. The bondage of Egypt isn't just slavery, someone doing what they want you to do, feeling like, it's not just slavery for them. It was, it was them being cast into the image and the mold of the Egyptians. And what ends up happening, and it happens to all of us when it comes to our flesh, we're far more worried about what other people think rather than what God thinks about it. We are. All of us. Well, you know, I hang out with these people, and, and well, I'll just have a few drinks because I don't really want to be that kind of Christian, Right? Or they come in your house and, well, we can watch this over here because, well, I don't want to be, I want to be an old stick in the mud, right? Listen, I would rather align myself with his standards than the world's standards in 2024. And I've taught you for years, for years, church, that we are not to be mean-spirited. Why are we shocked when sinners sin? <laughs> come on. What concerns me is when it's found in the house of the Lord. Why are we shocked when people that don't know God act like they don't know God? We shouldn't be shocked. But we need to quit playing games, and you need to understand your identity in Christ. You need to identify the areas of your life, and that's why I say tis the season for casting out demons. There is a Goliath that, that you have no idea of where it came from, and I love that story where it says, and a champion Goliath that had come from a town called Gath. You see... It's not just, you know what your Goliath is, but some of you in 2024, you're going to identify where it came from. Because where it came from is the key to seeing victory and freedom in 2024 is your Goliath out ahead of you. And then he says this, and I'm winding down. The God of the Amorites. Everybody say Amorites. He says, not only the God of bondage in the past. You see, and buddy, if you'd come, please. You see, everything I'm talking about is this. He's pointing out that they had a promised land. They had something out ahead of them. They spiritually, so to speak, had to, had to decide, we aren't going to, to stay here. We're going to cross over into what God has. 2000, the beginning of the year is a wonderful place to evaluate that. God, where am I and where do you want me to go? It's a great thing to just simply ask. God, what is my passion? God, have I drifted off into a place of being asleep? Because the biggest danger to Christianity in America in 2024 is not movies and it's not drinking. It's not, it is sleeping Christians. And he says, hey, don't only, for me to say to everybody pretty much in this room, hey, don't go back into bondage. We're not talking about some kind of gross sin this morning. I don't think that people are are necessarily into I don't I don't sense that here's where I think that the enemy gets most Christians is the God of the Amorites the God of the Amorites could easily be said as this I'm all right you know I, I'm all right in my marriage it's good. We only fight six times a week. You know, I'm, I'm all right in my family, you know. What I came to tell you today is God, when you attach yourself to the gods, the little G gods on this side of the land, they're very subtle and they're very sneaky. 
they're very, very, very good. And, and God knew this about the land they would be living in. That they would have to come across the God of the Amorites and it's like, well, we know you serve Yahweh. We know that you serve God. But, hey, let me tell you how I got, how I got a financial blessing last year. And if you just pray to this God, if you, if you just cheat on this, come on, somebody. Well, I know this business deal is a little bit shady, but uh, I'm all right. You know, I know it's been 26 years since I drank, so I'm all right to go and have a few with my buddies. Or, You know, my wife is kind of mean and cantankerous. And this person at work, they treat me with respect. This person at work, man, they brought me flowers on my birthday. My husband didn't do that. My wife didn't do that. And I'm all right. You see, the danger isn't in going back to some kind of gross bondage for most of you. The danger is sitting here this morning and you've already told yourself nothing that he's saying applies to me because I'm all right. But you ask yourself the question, much like Joshua did to the people, of reminding them that the danger isn't even in going back. The danger is in what's right out ahead of you. Because when the enemy sees that you have made a decision to leave some stuff into 2023... I thought about preaching a sermon, leave it at the door of 2024. But I didn't go that way. Maybe that's a good thing for you to remember as you leave today. Some of you need to leave some things right here today and ask yourself those simple questions. God, what am I most passionate about? Because nothing, you should be passionate about nothing more than Jesus and his kingdom. Church, the time is drawing to the place where Jesus is going to return. That could be 10 years, it could be 10 months, it could be 10 days. Anybody that tells you they know is crazy at best. Okay? Misguided and demonically inspired at worst, in my opinion. It's just the truth. We don't know. But I do know that God is looking for some things while we walk through the future. And he's telling the people, Joshua is reminding them, hey... It may not be those gods pulling you back in. Maybe you've seen some victories over the last few years. But it's just that, that notion that, well, everything's just all right. Everything's okay. Every, I, I do some of this and I do some of that, but it, it's okay. The God of the Amorites is the God of I'm all right. I go to church. I give in the offering. But if I ask myself what pastor's saying today, is my passion for Jesus like it was before? We become sleepy and we become dull of hearing and we forget our God. I just came to tell some folks today, you cannot serve God on autopilot. You can't do it. We can't have service on autopilot. You can't pray on autopilot and just, well, everything's all right. Because here's what this man is telling you today. I do not want a mediocre marriage. I do not want a mediocre family. I don't want a mediocre church. I don't want a mediocre walk with Christ. This man wants everything God has promised him. Out ahead of him. Stand with me this morning if you would. And number three and finally, we've got to choose daily. Everybody say daily. Daily. Joshua said, choose this day 
How many understand choices don't always come announced? Amen? They don't always come in convenient seasons. Choices aren't easy to make. But as I already mentioned, we are a result of our choices. And the best decision you can make here today, maybe for the first time, or maybe like me, for the, for the hundred thousandth time, because I learned something in my life, that if I'm going to keep my passion, if I'm going to keep my priorities, if I'm going to keep myself focused on God and my future that is already out in front of you and is already laid out by God, it's like the little story I told earlier. Here he was on his own land, fearing that he was going to get chased off and kicked off of it. Can I tell you what God has promised and what God has said? The only person that can keep you from it is you. Yes. It's your unbelief. It's your decision to stay where you are. You don't have to stay where you are. And I have made a, a daily every... Because Listen, I'll, you'll make that decision today and I will too. And tomorrow morning, i got to make it again. Yes. And then on Tuesday, because he said, choose this day whom you'll serve. Well, Pastor, I gave my heart to the Lord 86 years ago, and everything's all right. Look, can we as a church, as families, and as people of God, even individually, just make a decision today to put God first? To make Him priority? And make that choice today not to live lukewarm in our walk with Christ? To make attending the house of God a priority, to making our giving into the into the kingdom of God. You're not giving to a church. You're giving into the kingdom. And Jesus was very clear that if you want to put up treasure in heaven, then put it up in his kingdom. And thieves can't steal it, and rust doesn't destroy it, and moths can't eat away at it. It is eternal. Paul said this, and I love it. He said, I know that everything I put in God's hands, he's able to keep for me. And that's a life that's passion. That's a life that's prioritized on Him. And you need to remember today that you belong to King Jesus. You belong to the living God. Bow your head and close your eyes with me this morning as we pray today together. Let me ask this question as I always do because I know in a a congregation this size there's certainly somebody here that you want to begin your 2024 differently than what you've lived. And a matter of fact, there's somebody here that I think even the number 10, for 10 years, you could go back and trace it to almost 10 years ago that you walked away from God and you find yourself here today and God has his hand upon you. God has had his hand upon you. God has been convicting you and God has been speaking to you. And you are not here by accident, but you are here by divine appointment to make him number one and fully surrender your life to him and to ask him to take chief place in the wheel, so to speak, of your life. If that's you this morning, would you just shoot your hand up so we can pray together that you you say, I want to lay my life down to Christ. I want to lay my life down to God. Thank you, Jesus. Thank you, Jesus. Thank you. It's always a miracle because that is not me. I do not have the power to change your heart. God does. These are just words, but he said in the Bible, how will they know unless somebody preaches to them? Let me preach the truth to you, that you cannot save yourself. God knew that, so we just celebrated Emmanuel, God with us. God came and paid a price that you and I couldn't pay. Perfection. Jesus walked through his life perfectly, sinless, spotless Lamb of God, who it says takes away the sin of the world. 
And how we enter into that individually as we call upon the name of the Lord. We ask him to forgive us. We put him as the king and Lord of our life and give him first place. So let's pray this together. Heavenly Father, this day I choose you. I ask you to wash me clean. Forgive me of the sin in my heart. I believe that you came. You lived a sinless life. You died and rose again on the third day. I ask you now to come into my life. Change my heart. I give my life to you and give you first place. In Jesus' name, amen. Amen. Praise God. And in the new year, we're going to be much more intentional on giving you folks next steps that we can begin to disciple you. We can begin to plug you into the church because a growing Christian is a serving Christian. And so this is a wonderful family of God. We invite you. And if you're visiting with us today, we invite you back. We invite you to come. We invite you to join yourself, if you don't have a home church, to join yourself here to this body. It is a beautiful expression of the kingdom of God. And I'm telling you, God's just getting started in our church and in our lives. Amen. Amen. Once you lift your hands with me, your pastor wants to bless you today before we dismiss. Heavenly Father, as we've heard your word, God, we just collectively, collectively, Lord, individually, yes, but Lord, collectively say, be Lord over this church. You take preeminence and you take first place. This is not our church, Lord. It is your church, King Jesus. So, Father, we put you at first place. We watch our speech. We watch our passion. And we watch what we sow ourselves into today. We hear your word and we react to it, God. Lord, let us not be drawn back to worthless idols, but let us keep our eyes fixed on Jesus, the author and finisher of our faith. Lord, I thank you that you've given us some spiritual ground in 2024. Holy Spirit, would you fill each one of us and help us see the ground? You would help us see what enemies are camped out on it, and you would help us walk in victory and freedom in 2024. Lord, I declare it over the folks today. Father, may they be blessed as they come in, and may they be blessed as they go out. Father, I pray your precious gaze and smile and countenance would rise upon each one of them and you would give them peace and you would give them rest. Thank you for those who committed their lives and hearts to you today. May you fill them afresh with the spirit of the living God. Father, bless Christian Center with protection and safety. Protect us, our kids, and our kids' kids, Lord, until you bring us back together at the appointed time. God, we love you and we praise you here in 2024. Let it be the best year yet. In Jesus' mighty name. And all God's people said, Amen. Amen. Fellowship, greet somebody as you go. Again, if you're visiting with us, thank you for joining us. Come back and see us again.